Hi everyone, I'm Job, the co-founder and CEO of Remote, where we are reimagining how the world works and lives. And this is Remote Talks, the show where we interview the top minds in remote work and global employment. In this fourth episode, GitLab's head of remote, Darren Merv, joins the show as we cover mental health for remote teams, what a fully remote society might look like, and the importance of working asynchronously. I hope you enjoy. You have been probably the most interviewed person in the planet about remote work, especially the last few months. And um, let's start with, with, with like a meta question. What is the question that you didn't expect to get, but you, you did get at all those millions of interviews? Yeah, I'll give you a category that I was surprised. The basics. Mm. So we're getting questions that are astonishing to me on the foundational things that I'm increasingly realizing I shouldn't take for granted. And I should really appreciate some of the nuance that comes with living in this space for a really long time. And you start really picking up on what have I learned through osmosis and who have been my mentors that I actually haven't given proper credit for. It is amazing the fundamentals that a lot of the world still don't have. So I work at GitLab. I think we're the most advanced, sophisticated organizational design in terms of remote work on the planet. And I'm increasingly realizing that we've got a lot of work to do to bring the rest of the world to where we are. Yeah. Yeah. I, I was just talking with another company and they were telling me that they were basically all days in meeting, like every single day, all day in meetings. And, you know, some of the work that they did before in the office before COVID was um, they would really rely on overhearing each other. And so they didn't want to give that up. So they just sat in Zoom meetings all day overhearing each other. Like everybody has their microphone on. You just overhear each other. And it seemed like just very hard to tell them like, I'm pretty sure there's different ways of doing things. Oof, that's brutal. Yeah, uh, I'm actually, I go out of my way to not overhear. So I probably wouldn't work well in that context. I understand what, what they're getting at, uh, but it kind of goes to my earlier point. We got a long way to go. That's a very inefficient way to get work done. Just kind of hoping that you overhear the right thing to give you your next nugget of innovation or incubation. Is there something that GitLab started to do differently uh, this year? Like, I, of course, there's not an option of doing an, an offsite. You know, those things have to move digital. I, I think those are obvious. But like, is there other innovations or big changes that GitLab has made, whether because of coronavirus or, or not? Yeah, something that did not exist before COVID but does exist now is the Family and Friends Day. This is a, a concept that was dreamed up by Sid started as a simple iteration. Let's just take a Friday off. Let's just shut the whole virtual office down. Let's, let's start up a Slack channel called Family and Friends Day so that people can share videos and pictures and stories to prove you're not on your laptop and you're, you're doing something, even if it's just lounging in a hammock or, or catching up on a book. That didn't exist. Uh, it does exist now and we've kept it going. It has become something of a staple and it's this great reminder that wellness matters and even if you can't go anywhere, it's really important to turn the screen off, even if you don't have great plans of what to do with that time. We have all been exposed to the fragility of mental health this year. A lot of us thought we had it all together. We're, we're living where we want to live. We're working at a great place that's very efficient. Our values are set. People treat each other well. 
and then this crisis happens and it makes you challenge all of the things that you thought you had lined up. So that exists now. Uh, and we've, we've done a lot of things differently in terms of just how we treat each other. We've had a few other Slack channels pop up. Daily Gratitude is a good one. A lot more activity in the mental health awareness channel. We've actually invited some external speakers to talk about this. And we have an ongoing campaign of things that we're going to be doing differently, especially leaning into asynchronous workflows to reduce the meeting burden. Yeah. A key thing I want to point out here is this has always been the case, but it's been really important to key in on this year. A bias for asynchronous. Most of the world sees this as a productivity measure. At GitLab, it is actually a subvalue in our diversity, inclusion, and belonging value. And the reason is working asynchronously when you can is more respectful of someone else's time. So if you can reframe the conversation around this to a matter of respect, it's easier to get buy-in across the organization because generally people want to be respectful of one another. So that's been something that has been true, but it's been uh, more of a focal point since COVID. That's, a, that's, that, that's very, very interesting. So the Family Friends Day, I, I think it, it, it's a day off essentially, right? Like it's a day where the whole company essentially signs off. What, what has been, I mean, everybody loves the day off. So it's, it's easy, but what has been the response to that internally? Like, have you... You know, what are, what are the responses? If I could make it into a sound, it would be a global collective sigh of relief. <laughs> Every time the day happens and even the week leading up to it, it's just this nice exhale. Mm. It feels like you've been inhaling a lot. And of course, humans can't live very long if you only inhale. <laughs> it gives us permission to exhale. And what's beautiful about it is, everyone for the most part is exhaling the entire team. It's not like taking a day off while a mountain of emails pile up. There's something beautiful about that. Another interesting element of this that was not planned, but has become quite beautiful in practice is that these aren't set months and years in advance. So we are allowing people across the organization to propose when the next one or two or three are. Yeah. So there's this serendipitous factor where you never know who or where or why the next one is going to come from, but there's always some awesome reason that someone and somewhere in the world was sitting down thinking this, we should do this. And this is why it's really cool to, to see that and each of the days that we've had, uh, they've all, the genesis of them have come from different people. Yeah. Yeah. No, that's, that, that's very interesting. Uh, uh, and, and going, going, continuing on the line of mental health, like you mentioned, there's a few Slack channels, you invited external speakers. Um, how, you know, you are today, you know, you, a, a person listening here is a manager of a team. Um, what is, and, and their company is not doing all of these things. They don't have family and friends days. They don't have, you know, the amazing system that GitLab has. Like, where do they start if they, if, if they, you know, they are maybe aware that mental health is a, I mean, for everybody, something to pay attention to. How can they better support their own teams? I was talking with someone from Slack. Uh, there's this cool initiative they have called the Future Forum. And they did a lot of data on how executives are dealing with COVID, individual contributors, and middle managers. And the middle managers are getting hammered. Hmm. The data is very clear that they feel the most paralyzed. And so the answer to this, and the reason I bring this up is, the change has to start at the executive team. Any sort of meaningful 
focus on mental health. And in fact, any meaningful remote transition where you're truly changing habits, you're changing culture, you're changing the way you work. It has to have absolute executive sponsorship because if it don't, it will fall apart at some point and it will become lip service. This is why the middle managers are getting crushed because they see the stressors that their individual contributors and their direct reports are going through. But if they don't have the buy-in from the executive team, they're never going to be able to put those people in the ideal place or on an ideal track to getting through it. So it's a series of band-aids and toughing it out. And that's where you're starting to see a lot of the burnout creep in. I think it will bleed into talent retention. Some of these middle managers will grow frustrated and they'll reach a point where it feels like you have a single oar in the water and you're on a yacht. You can only paddle so hard to get it a few degrees east or west. You may get off of that yacht at some point and hop in a canoe that's already heading in the right direction. And now your efforts go a lot further. Yeah, that's very, very interesting. Is there, is there anything in particular that you've learned this year that you started to do differently to take care of your own mental health better? A couple of things. I recommend this to people that are transitioning. Uh, if you had a morning commute and an evening commute, try to block those times and do something that will make you feel well. Maybe that's exercise, maybe that's rest more. I've been way more deliberate about blocking those times in my schedule and then changing my Slack statuses to say exercise time or time with family. Very unambiguous, very direct that whatever I'm doing, it is not work. And I want people around the world to see that. And as a leader, what I'm realizing is it's really important to do that because if you model it, other people will feel comfortable in doing that. So since COVID, I've been much more overt about I'm not working now and I'm going to light up all the signals I possibly can to show that and share that. And I'm seeing that percolate around the organization. Our executive team is being very vocal and visible about when they're taking time off. Um, it's, been, it's been good to, to, to see that happen. So start with modeling what you want to see happen. And that may mean backing away. Look, there's always work to be done. Always. And in some ways, working during a pandemic is a form of escapism. So a part of you actually feels great for working because it's better than facing reality, even if you don't want to realize that. But that's not the model you want to set. That's not a long-term sustainable solution. We will reach a time where we're no longer in a pandemic. And if you burned yourself out during the pandemic, you're not going to be your full self on the other side of it. Yeah. Yeah. Um. That's, uh, I think that's, that's amazing advice, right? I think one of my proudest moments in, at remote has been when I took a, a number of days off and I checked in on Slack and my executive team was like, no, no, you're not even allowed to provide input. You're not working. You're not working. You should not be on Slack. Like, and they both in public and in private messages, they were like, no, you, should, <laughs> you should really not be here. Uh, and I, I thought it was great. Yeah. I, another way to reframe this is if you see yourself doing that because you think a process will fail if you don't, that should be an indicator that you are a single point of failure. So the first thing you should do once you get back online is solve that, not just cloning yourself and making yourself more available, but solve it. Yeah. Get to the art of delegation. Make sure that you hire and mentor and coach and spend some investment on training someone else how to do it or 
documenting what it is that you do so people can self-service in your absence. The goal isn't to be a hero. I'm always around. The goal is to, to be gone a lot and things still happen well, or ideally even better because you want to give people the right tools, but then unlock them to run really fast and do it better than you could have done it. That takes a bit of an ego check for a lot of people. Uh, and in a remote world, this is an awesome opportunity to do that. I've, we've seen some success with that at GitLab. Yeah, no, that's, that's great. Um, and, and, you know, I, I'm obligated to ask you, you know, next year, um, you know, actually already this month, the first vaccines are, are being administered and, you know, this is starting to roll out, you know, with good hope by summer we'll be in a state where, you know, the world will be in a much better place. Um, what is, what, do, what, what kind of change do you expect? My hope is that a lot of the isolation issues and the culture issues that are being fully attributed to an abrupt transition to remote work will in some ways solve themselves. People will be able to go to their favorite coffee shop or go have dinner with friends and they won't need to lean on work as much to build up their social identity. It's really easy to conflate those two things right now. My hope is that the tailwinds of just being able to be humans again will help with a lot of that. The second thing I hope is that people get introspective about what they've taken for granted. Going to a sporting event with 50,000 other people is a miracle and we should appreciate it as such. Getting on an airplane and being able to have food and drinks served, not all in plastic wrappers and in between having your mask up and down is a miracle. We should probably appreciate that more. I hope we're a bit more thoughtful in our engagements with people. We've, I think we've realized that community is really, really important. It's been easy to brush off. You just sort of assume that life is eternal and I'll get around to calling these people or meeting these people or engaging in this community some other time. And then when it's ripped away from you, you realize, oh, that was life-giving in many ways. And now that I don't have it, I realize how much of a void is there. That's my hope. I know time goes on to some degree, we'll just kind of resume our defaults, but you don't need a, a huge amount of change to stick, even like a three to five degree change of the global mentality around this. I think we'll have a big difference in how we treat each other and how we think about the intersection between work and life. I think the power of those will we'll see some inversion. Life will become the primary factor that you fit work into instead of the other way around. Yeah, I think I think that's that's a really interesting topic. I think I've been hearing some people expand on this and and suggesting that you know in the future maybe it will be quite common to not just have one job, but it will be more common to have multiple jobs, right? Like, and of course, there's many people that are freelancing today, but you know, if a company can support part-timers well, which is easier, I think, through asynchronous work you can probably also support as an individual working for multiple employers, even though it's like a proper employer, you're not necessarily working as a contractor. I agree with that. And I think it's part of a much bigger picture, which is life should ideally become more dynamic after this. So if you have multiple employers or you have options A, B, and C, and it gives you an ability to test what it is that you're doing and what you really love, that's more dynamic. If you're able to take some of your university courses through this one school, but then some of them somewhere else because they default to remote, 
that's a more dynamic education that you're able to get. My hope is that by decoupling geography and our vocation, it gives us the chance to be more dynamic. It's about time. Like humankind is amazing. We are very dynamic. We invented the internet and we're just now figuring out how to leverage it to live better lives. So hopefully the, the, the tagline for 2021 and beyond is dynamism and more dynamic. Yeah, that's, uh, that's a nice one. Although admittedly, I, I think a lot of people are also looking forward to a time where not a lot of things happen for change, but you know, I guess. But that's, that's the dynamic part of it. Look, if you've been forced to commute four hours round trip Monday through Friday for the past 20 years, it's gonna feel very dynamic when you're like, you know what, Monday, I'm gonna run a 5K and then Tuesday, I'm just gonna sleep. And then Wednesday, I'm gonna read a book. That, that's dynamism too. Rest can be dynamic. Let's figure out creative and dynamic ways to rest. Yeah, no, that's uh, that, that, that's a, that's a good one. Um, random question: Have you have you done any experiments at, at, at GitLab that didn't work? Uh, that you thought this is, could really you know help teams or improve collaboration or just I don't know make things better? They didn't pan out as you expected them to. Be? If anything didn't work, maybe the outcome was different than than was expected. I'll say this, we captured so much and continue to capture so much of how we work remotely and it's documented. And one thing that I am continually surprised by is that not everyone reads it. <laughs> yeah. So it's one of those things where we're committed to working handbook first and we're committed to documentation. We have so much material, it's so rich that if you were just able to uh, pull a matrix and just plug this in and download it all at once, all of your problems would be solved. But there's some cognitive dissonance from the person that's architecting it and curating it. And then all of the other people that actually have to pause their life in some way and read it and ingest it and apply it. That has been somewhat surprising. I've assumed that because it's written, it is understood. That is not the case. You actually have to put some effort and intentionality into messaging campaigns, pulling this out putting it into learning and development, putting it into upskilling and retraining. So there's a lot of effort. You can't just write it and forget it. You have to put a lot of effort into it. And with new people coming in all the time, it becomes a continual thing. So I'm learning to budget time for evangelizing what is already written instead of just creating new, new, new all the time. I think, I think to me, this was one of the first lessons of leadership is that you have to repeat yourself like anything that you think is important even if it's written down you have to repeat yourself until the point where you feel like you're literally always saying the same thing and that's about when people it starts to stick um and then i i, I agree i think you know at, at remote we have very similar culture to a gitlab in that way we document like crazy and many times i still see questions coming by on slack uh, how do we do X? Uh, how, well, how does uh, Y work? And I'm like, did you, did you search in documentation? Is this really good search? Like you could, like, it's probably called whatever you're asking, you know, what is, do we have a, a blue ice cream? And I'm like, did you search for blue ice cream? Because that's what the documentation is called. Yeah. I feel that in my soul. I really appreciate that. The repeating it until you feel awkward and then you've veered into uh, success. That's a good, I'm going to take something away with that too. <laughs> what, is, what is something that uh, you would like to experiment with, but you haven't yet? 
uh, tools. I wish it was a lot easier to pilot new tools with small teams without massively disrupting their existing workflows. I almost want a team that fully understands how to work in this environment and has a good understanding of how most of the teams do their work. And they're just there to beta test new, new tools and products. And the reason for this is that COVID has accelerated the golden era of remote focused tools or remote enabling tools. So many are coming out. It reminds me when the Apple app store came out the first week you could, you could literally see each new app that came on online and you could try each new app. It was unbelievable. And then very quickly it hit escape velocity and discoverability becomes this massive issue. Tools are, in a similar boat right now. And I see so many of them coming through and I'm only able to give them a glimpse of my attention. So if I could uh, wave a magic wand, I would have a tool testing team to figure out which are the ones that will change our lives from this golden era of invention. Um, and so uh, last question, uh, you right before we started this recording, you said you're gonna take some time off. What, are you, what, what is Darren, the center of the world of remotes, what is he gonna do when he takes time off? Um, I'm looking forward to it. Home improvement projects are the first one. It's like the most adult answer ever. I've got a new ceiling fan that I'm really looking forward to installing. With my <laughs> but you know what? It's the simple thing that, that really brings you back to what really matters. You know, the day before Christmas, I'm installing something in my house with my dad. That is a miracle. We're both healthy. I have the provision to have a home. I have the ability to take time off my limbs function so I can turn a screwdriver. There's a lot of miracles that are happening in that. So it doesn't have to be, that's another thing I'm learning in prior years. I'd be like, let's go to the Maldives using points and miles. And how can I hack this to get first class? Now it's just like, you know what? I just want to wake up late, get the fan (laughs) installed and not blow up the transformer in my home. Uh, While I I have the scent of cookies and uh, things like that wafting in the background, that's, that's it. Very simple. That's the goal for time off. Great. Thanks so much, Darren. Thanks, Joe. Appreciate it.